Welcome to Side Talks. Oh man, I need to turn my volume down a little bit. That I'm, was really I'm aggressive. I'm coming at you strong today. That was Everybody, aggressive, Weasel. It's yeah, you bet, buddy. <laughs> it's time for a podcast. You know what song we need work. right now? What? Is it more than you fucking fall? Yeah. Wow. Down, down, <laughs> and on early around. Going down, swinging. Wow. Can you yeah. put that in there, Brad? I think I know which song you're talking about. <laughs> Is it more than you can Oh, the. Uh, it's a Fallout, Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. Fallout yeah. Bitch. It's Fallout Bitch. I got bitch. you. I got Fall you. Fallout Bitch. Okay. That's what we need. We need a little uh, post-punk <laughs> pop bullshit for we, this podcast. We don't at all, <laughs> but sure. Oh, man. Uh, that this, was my karaoke for the day. This is day. nominally a podcast about cinema. Yeah. We are the, the Sidewalk, uh, the official podcast of Sidewalk, which is a film festival and a cinema in downtown Birmingham. And most of the time, we do talk about movies, though sometimes... I sing. I bet that song's still going, isn't it, Brad? Sure. Great. Great. That's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about Fall Out Boy, so I can't bring any fun antidotes or... They got you know, their name from uh, a Simpsons thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That sounds about right. It's Radioactive Man's uh, little boy sidekick it, it, oh, in the comic book within The Simpsons. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not. Well, that's kind of good. That's kind of clever, yeah. Sure. Why not? For a very not clever band. Uh, it just means they, like me, watched The Simpsons growing up. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, you know. Good you job. have your Simpsons podcast. I have my Fallout Boy podcast. Hey, and look, we move on. I, I will say this here and now. If anybody for real is interested in doing a Simpsons podcast, I am all about doing a Simpsons podcast. How many Simpsons podcasts do you guys think there are out there? I mean, a million. Like about 1.4 mil? Yeah. Bra? No, there's a million of them, but but how many of them have Corey Kraft as the, the host or co-host? The bigger question is how many Fallout Boy podcasts are there? Probably a lot. <laughs> I mean, probably at least a dozen, right? Yeah, Probably. Oh, man. All right. Let's stick to the script. Okay. We'll talk about movies instead. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. Um, Guess what just happened? What? You were a little low, Uh and Brad turned you up a little bit. But I think what I discovered is Brad uh-huh. doesn't, what Brad doesn't want to say is he normally turns me down a little bit because he knows <laughs> I'm going to go off on some bad singing or something. And then he just mishmashed it and turned you down accidentally. I think and now that's I'm caught. Now, now Brad's busted. I'm caught being annoying. Wow. Anyway, speaking of annoying, let's have this five minute fight that everybody's going to hate me for. Um, do you hear the swelling orchestra in the background of John Williams' magisterial score as Steven Spielberg's camera tracks people looking in awe across a field at at this wonderful man-made creation, uh, the miracle of resurrected dinosaurs. I mean, I'm just picturing this wonderful, indelible cinematic moment in my mind's eye, and I'm saying to myself, what kind of monster (laughs) would come after the 1993 classic Uh, Jurassic Park? 
I don't care. Um, I really, really don't. Everybody's going to hate me. And it was a summer movie of the year, and it continues to be, you know, movies in the park, Jurassic Park, whatever. I think, and I'm going to use a, la- a term that's that's really politically incorrect, but I think this movie's lame. Why? It It's just fine. It's just fine. I remember, go- I embarrassingly remember going to see it, and I was fairly young. I mean, I was, I think I was, you know, well, certainly I was way older than you. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was fairly young, and I remember going home and being like, hey, mom, this, the, the computer generated, that was really wow factor, you know, and I'm embarrassed about that. And it, well, but you were right. I <laughs> At mean, the time, I was right. You were totally right. I mean, who cares if the effects have aged a little bit? Because, you know, one, it's Steven Spielberg at the height of his Spielberg powers. And by that, I literally mean that. 1993, he releases both this and Schindler's List and finally wins the Academy Award for Best Director. So he is firing on all cylinders after the calamity that is Hook. And we can talk about that some other time. That yeah, movie sucks. He, he had, this is not in a totally different world than Hook. I'm just going to say that. Oh, yes, it is. I, I like the Laura Dern. I like Laura Dern. I like the yeah. Laura Dern. Like, I'm going to turn your head for you to see these. But I just think ultimately it feels a little boring. What I will say is I do like the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios. Oh I think it is. That's fun. I mean, it is fun. I That's just can't believe ride. you called Jurassic Park boring. It's boring. You know how it's, it's not boring? It's you know how it's not Dullsville? Because it has fucking dinosaurs in it <laughs> it like, does but that's why do you know how many everything. good sequels to this movie there are there are zero good sequels to this nobody likes any of the sequels to jurassic park they just keep going to see them because there are dinosaurs in them and because they there's love dinosaurs that first in everything did you ever walk down that dinosaur aisle at toys r us you know what i mean like every yep, single jurassic park anything, toys anything made for kids that are zero to you know 12 is a fucking dinosaurs Remember Alabama Adventure had that pile of animatronic dinosaurs. Oh, that, that was they, sick. And they, you know, <laughs> that they left outside and they weren't supposed to be outside. And yeah, anyway, I remember that. There's dinosaurs in a dump pile. Nobody cares. I what strongly is good? disagree. The What's, world seems to care a great deal because every this little rules. boy, every little boy cares about dinosaurs. I don't care about dinosaurs. I, I just don't. And they're kind of dumb in this. They're just annoying. They annoy me. <laughs> I don't even know what a counter argument What's to that could be. What's good in this film? What's good in this film, um, Corey? You don't think it's boring? You don't. The get special tw- effects are amazing. Oh come on, John we, Williams, you already said they were dated. You already, you already but they said were amazing dated. in 1993. Sure. The, okay. the animatronic there you go. Corey stuff. Corey said it. They were amazing in 1993. The CG is kind of dodgy, but the animatronic stuff in like all the close-up dinosaur stuff and puppetry is still really cool. Like most of the Velociraptor stuff is just like puppets, and that's great. Um, the the lead characters. I mean, I love Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. I love their performances in this. They're just like classic, like archetypal summer movie performances. Steven Spielberg just doing his Steven Spielberg thing, which is the camera is everywhere it needs to be. And he's working with, again, John Williams at the top of his game with that wonderful score. I mean, do it's not so underestimate. So much is hanging on the score But here, don't underestimate how I much that score, score does for that score. movie. That's like 25% about the score. Of, of why so, that movie works. There we go. That's how I win this. You're, 25%, no film should rely 25% on score. It just score. happens to have okay. a score that completely rocks the house is okay. all. Like, if you, if, you you're, make a, you, if you make a great movie and you're – Composer turns in one of the greatest movie scores of all time. Your movie just becomes that much better. And that's the case with Jurassic Park. True or false? Uh Uh-huh. You're sitting down right now today to watch this film. And you're 20 minutes into it. 
are you you are bored true or false i rewatched it last week i rewatched all of them in preparation for this sixth movie which is terrible which i saw in theaters but i rewatched all of them last week the first one is the only one i wasn't bored out of my mind with the first were you, one were you a held bored? me were you a little bored? captivated just like it did when i was a kid oh man okay yep, it rules. what's the runtime i don't know it's about two hours it's not uh, it's not overly bloated one Two hours? It's not two hours is not overly bloated. The new one is two and a half. You want to see bloated? Uh, go see the new one. No, thank like, you. Like that's what like by comparison, the original Jurassic Park moves, you know, smooth as a dream. I what annoys me a little bit about this film too is that this is when it's like the Spielberg gaze is he's really got he's really got his finger down on it and everything's like, Oh I'm yeah, at dinosaurs it. are fucking sick, it's Rachel. Just, I don't I'm, know what to tell you. It's so tiresome. It's so, it's so tiresome. Mm. It's fine. It was a fine nineties summer movie. Move on, people, move on. Well, let's hear from Sam. Did he move on from every Jurassic little Park? dinosaur bitch is like, Oh, Rachel is wrong. And I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> um, okay, so I think the effects still hold up today. So I disagree with both of you. On this isn't count. looking too good for you because um, he's even more positive than I am on true. the movie. Yeah. I mean, um, I could just end this in like three words, just say there are dinosaurs like Corey said and just have Corey win. But I should explain more. Um, yeah, the effects still hold up. Um, I don't understand how anyone can describe Jurassic Park as Dullsville. <laughs> It's literally called Jurassic Park. Um, yeah, that's its name. <laughs> Jurassic Parksville. Uh, too many good things to even list. Corey got pretty much all of them. I mean, yeah, the score should be mentioned a lot. Um, there are dinosaurs and an evil Newman and Jeff Goldblum Goldblooming. Um, it's one of those movies I feel like the majority of the population, like if it's on TV on TNT, like Jaws or Lord of the Rings, you just sit down and watch. This is part of the problem. This is part of the problem, not no. not a support. No. If you're a dad, you do that thing where you just stand watching it, like halfway. Um, That's what I did last week. <laughs> Spielberg gazing. <laughs> yes. dad, dad standing, Spielberg That's gazing. What it is. Um, so yeah, Corey wins by like a million points here. Oh boy, shocker. Like, there I really are dinosaurs. I was, I was gonna just like with one. Top Gun, there are jets that go vroom vroom. There, there, there are, are velociraptors. There are tyrannosauruses. There are dilophosauruses. So all that happens in second grade too. And there was also a store in the Palisades called the Dino Store. So like there's plenty of dinosaurs everywhere. This doesn't... That's doing anything right. I like how your argument is we're just we're just we're saturated with fucking dinosaurs. Who needs it? Who needs it? And dinosaurs, y'all. Like how much how much in your daily life are you affected these days by like (laughs) dinosaur shit? I have to hear about dinosaurs all the time. Dinosaurs are extinct, y'all. Get over it. (laughs) Oh man, listen, I have to tell you one other thing real quick. Uh huh. So and. And hacks towards the end, like I think it's towards the end of the first season. Uh-huh. There's a great. I don't know if you know the dynamics here. It kind of doesn't matter. I, I, um, I'm familiar with it. I haven't well, seen it. You know, she's a Las Vegas, you know, popular comedian. She has a sort of a, a ne'er do well daughter, right? Yeah. And there's a scene where the ne'er do well daughter, though, she ends up she being like, I go, but she'll just out of nowhere be like, well, I went to Cornell because she's rich, right? So she, there's all this yeah. stuff. Well, anyway, there's a scene where she's just in the middle of the living room playing this beautiful song. Uh huh. And everybody's like, what? Because you don't expect this from her. You know, it's like uh, always fresh out of rehab kind of thing. And so it's the score to Jurassic Park. <laughs> and the, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is because the mom's like, you know, the, the, the protagonist is like, that's the score to Jurassic Park. It's the only song she knows. 
<laughs> anyway, I think you would dig that scene, that particular episode. Sidewalk home video. Sit your ass down. Oh man, Corey, you know how we love to throw a new segment in. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, and we haven't done this in a while. So yeah. this is a brand new segment. First time we've ever done it. And it's gonna evolve and change as sometimes the segments do. And it's called the Sidewalk Home Video segment. And of course, Batwell Studios did a lovely job getting us in here with some new little intro stinger mm-hmm. getting into this segment. But part of this segment comes from inspiration from a number of things, one of which I wanna acknowledge inspiration really for doing a podcast at all for me is uh not just not just the wonderful ideas brought to us by batwell studios but also um the 80s all over podcast yeah a a favorite of mine i know they didn't make their way all the way through the 80s but man that was an ambitious effort it sure was and uh, i really enjoyed listening to that and felt like i learned a ton about uh, and a ton of stuff i wanted to watch got pulled from that podcast absolutely um but also you worked at a video store am i I correct yeah uh, I was uh, I was the Hollywood video movie clerk uh, in the in the suburbs of Birmingham in Vestavia Hills for several years in high school and in college. Um, I loved working at the video store. I got to watch so many movies and take so much stuff home. Yeah, and so I I thought we would do a sort of we would lean into a staff rex kind of section of the video store, and we'd look at films that really would what you would have seen on the shelf would have been let's just say 1940, even though we're Probably not going to delve much into 1940s titles, but 1940s all the way to the sort of end of the glory days of of Hollywood Video. When did you when what year did you work at Hollywood Video until? Uh, probably till about 2006 or 2007, okay. right at the Great. the dawn of Blu-ray is when I bailed. I think. Well, I had it earmarked as 2008, and yeah. I think that's fair. So we'll go 1940 to 2008 releases, and we're going to try today. We're just going to talk about one film in particular that everybody knows that everybody loves, but we may mostly stick to some. Deeper cuts as we move on. Um, but what was your favorite thing? Let's just get started right now by talking about what was your favorite thing about working at the video store other than the, the cool shit you got to bring home? Who other than that? Um, I don't know. I just love being surrounded by physical media. Um, yeah. I love looking at video covers. I love, you know, I used to be the little kid who wandered around looking at VHS covers and I became the weird adult who still looks around at DVD and Blu-ray covers and stuff like that. I love to wander and just pick through collections and be inspired, you know, by seeing things that I'd never been exposed to before. Obviously, this is somewhat lost with the preponderance of of internet resources and the lack of, you know, video stores, but uh, I'm still a big physical media person. I talk about my 4K Blu-rays all the time. Um, I have a stack of Blu-rays right here, in fact, that Sam just brought back to me. So I'm still I'm still a big fan of tangible artifacts, and and I think partially that comes from my time at the video store. I agree. I mean, I was I never worked at a video store, but I certainly was a consumer at the video store, and yeah. I remember you know being a little kid and going with my parents and hoping, just hoping that, you know, E.T. or whatever it might be was on the shelf and being able to take it home. 
And I can remember many slumber parties where where the, the kickoff for the party was all piling in the car, going to the video store and yeah. fussing over what we were going to watch. Absolutely. All the way through to you know my first job in advertising and getting off work. And there was a ho- like the Hollywood video right down the street from where I worked. And oh, sometimes nice. on a Friday night when I'd had a shit week, it was just a great night to run in there and just get like a pile of candy and a couple of, of you know releases and head home. So, I mean, my experience with the video store, I, I really miss it. Yeah, I miss that that ability too. to kind of physically browse, right? So anyway, we'll we'll bring up some more memories as we go through the segment. Um, occasionally hitting hitting this one up, but right now we're going to talk about a film that was, I'm sure, on your video shelf that you probably checked out to many people. That is a uh, a love for many, and that is say anything. That's right. Uh, from 1989, yes. I think, and this is Cameron Crowe's debut feature. He had written, of course. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and previously made his name as a young journalist and author. I mean, obviously, a lot of that is chronicled in the semi-autobiographical Almost Famous, uh, which comes later in his career. But he he gets it started as a director with this John Cusack starring teen rom-com that is a canonical favorite at this point, though you and I have argued about that. Yeah, and so what I where this where our decision to talk about say anything today, in addition to the fact that it would have been a great sort of fly off the shelf kind of video hit, I think for years at the video store, is that Corey thought for a second he might want to argue with me in a five minute fight about say anything, but then texted me earlier today or slacked me earlier today and said, you know what, actually I'm not going to argue with you about this. This is a great film. Yeah, I had forgotten just how good it was because yeah. uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, probably not since those video store days, to be honest, um, when I was in high school or college. Um, and I, you know, with, with the time that's passed, I guess it got a little fuzzy or perhaps I sort of lumped it in with a lot of other sort of, uh, rom-com young person coming of age things that, that are less, you know, interesting or less compelling, um, or less sharply written than this clearly is. I mean, you know, you, you start say anything and within a couple minutes, you're just kind of swept up in it. Um, and it has so much to do, not only with the, the sensitivity of Crow's writing, uh, and the clarity with which he, he crafts these characters. Um, but of course the performance is bringing these characters to life. I mean, they're just some really wonderful performances. Yeah, and I think the casting is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is not your typical Brat Pack film. No. Right? This is uh, Ioni Sky, who feels a little sidestep from everything. Uh, Cusack, of course, is in some Brat Pack films, just briefly. Yeah. Right? He's, it's like he's, 16 Candles, am I right? He's in 16 Candles. In the bathroom underwear scene. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I've always thought of Better Off Dead as kind of tertiary. Adjacent, yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a future segment. Right. Um but no, he he he's he's a little younger, I guess, than than the main Brat Pack crowd. Yeah, and his sister's in this, right? So Joan, yeah. Joan Cusack's in this, which also playing his actual sister, which I think is really fun. It feels, I think that the thing I love about Say Anything is there's a handful of things, right? But but one of the things I love is it, it has a very organic feel to it. I think that's probably in part because some of the dialogue was ad libbed. Yeah. And, but it it has a very natural feel, and you you don't. I actually 
kind of like this about some, a lot of the Brat Pack films, which is you don't feel like you're getting loaded down with a ton of backstory. You just kind of enter into these worlds and you piece together what the relationships are and you and you move on. Yeah, Lloyd Dobler is this fully formed character from the moment we meet him. Right. And he just kind of is who he is. We don't get a whole lot. I mean, we like you said, we piece things together. We We kind of... Um, get to know Lloyd through the things that he does and says and the things that, you know, the ways he, he interacts with various characters like his sister, like uh, Baby Neuwirth's uh, guidance counselor character. Right. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, there's, there's not like some sort of um, – exposition laden scene that's like this is why Lloyd Dobler is who he is um and there's no like you see in movies today where it's like yeah. we need to stop the movie to talk about this character's foundational trauma there's none of that there's none of really that. you just you you get some things and you and you throw them in a bag and you kind of move on with it and I appreciate that about this film I do too. a lot and I also appreciate that I remember I have a clear memory of watching this for the first time and being fairly surprised mm-hmm. by the direction that things go with the dad. Yeah, I was I, I was surprised by that the that first time. That wasn't intuitive to me when I first watched no. it, if that makes sense. Um, but but I, I think that's kind of one of the things that sets this movie apart a little bit because, you know, life, real life, yeah. something heavy just kind of intrudes upon the situation that's already fairly complicated emotionally, but right. now – you know, it, it kicks it to a to a different level. Um, and John Mahoney is so good in yeah. this movie, yeah, um, because he's not really the the standard issue overbearing dad character that that a lesser actor could have turned him into, right? Um, nor is he the standard sort of villain of the piece. Um, there's there's a lot of layers there, and the film is really, I think gracious and sensitive in exploring his character just as it explores the characters of, of Diane and Lloyd. And as you know, I also love Lily Taylor in this. Yeah. I love the friend group. She plays Corey, spelled C-O-R-E-Y, as it should be. It's a great thread throughout the film, the stuff with Joe. and the, yeah. I just I thought it was so hilarious at the time. And, and I think I probably put this thing on the shelf for 10 or 15 years. And one weekend a couple of years ago at the beach, screened this on the side of the house we were renting, just as like a little outdoor movie, and was pleasantly surprised at how much it held up. Yeah. And how much I, I again, enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's that, that organic nature of the whole film that really spoke to me this morning when I rewatched it. Yeah. Um, just the fact that it didn't feel, you know, prescribed or written. Even something like, you know, you have at the the, the first date dinner scene, right, where Lloyd is at Diane's fa- house having right, dinner. Right, And she shares the anecdote about being terrified to fly. And then, of course, the movie ends where it ends. Yep. And somehow that doesn't feel like the most obvious setup in the world. It doesn't. And... Again, the the last thing on my list of just pure love for this film is the ending because it it's sure. the it's the inverse to the graduate. Yeah, and I think it's a I actually think it's a really brilliant. I always put this on my favorite endings list, and I think it's a really it's really ending. fantastic. 
Yeah. And it, it leaves you, I think it's a really satisfying place to land. Mm-hmm. I no agree. pun intended there. Um, but anyway, so agreed or not agreed canon? Because I know that there's some back and forth about. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Good. I mean, I'm, I, I've come down pretty firmly on the, the positive side. I, I, I see why this is held up as kind of an exceptional example of this kind of movie and really kind of an exceptional debut feature. It's, it's really, it really does hold up. And. I should have known better or at least revisited it before I suggested that it wasn't. So sorry out you there are forgiven. You are forgiven. It also can go, I think, on a lot of great lists, right? Uh-huh. Um, including great breakup film. Yeah. I know it, it has a swing back, don't right. get me wrong, but it ha- a good heart, a good chunk of this film is just about that sort of very I mean, young high school heartbreak. We haven't even – we've talked about the movie yeah. for so long and we haven't talked about the um, – uh, the boombox boom thing, scene. yeah, which is which is one of the which is actually technically one of the big continuity errors in the film. Really, they had to shoot it on a completely different day in a completely different location, which is why the 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 light doesn't match at all. Wow! And Cusack uh, was apparently really pissed off about the music choice. Really? Yes, there um, was a there's a good bit of trivia about this film, including the fact that. Peter Gabriel originally did not agree to have In Your Eyes included in this film because he thought that, that it was a different film. Oh. Like he would he watch some other screener and had misunderstood oh. what film he, he was being asked to be used the score for. And so much was hanging on that particular song. I'll try to get some better facts together uh-huh. and come back with a retra- quick retractions on the details of that. You think he like he was like, what you say anything right and then he like put in a video yes. vhs of like police academy six i'm and literally was like, telling you oh, that's what no happened why? Um, i need to figure out i cannot remember what film it was but it was something that ridiculous <laughs> yes and was just saying no 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 uh anyway so and, and but but regardless kuzak was pissed because he wanted i think it was like a hardcore song this is probably okay, back yeah john it didn't didn't work at all um but they had to there was some uh manipulation to sure. get him to, to reshoot the scene. Good so, Lord. Anyway, I'll come back with some hard facts on it. I wasn't planning on getting into, into the weeds on the, on the tech details here. The- Regardless of the arguments yeah, yeah. that apparently yeah. ensued, that boombox thing is like iconic now. It is for, iconic. For good reason. I it mean, it's iconic. often imitated that the song is pretty much tied to that scene. Uh, and that, that sort of gesture holding the boombox up, just standing there. I mean, it's, it is a, a lingering sort of great moment that that's kind of entered. Uh, I don't know the common lexicon. I guess everybody kind of gets that reference. Yeah, and you know what I love about that too is I remember at the time having first seen this, be, being a bit of an eye roll with it, which yeah. I still I still am like, oh my god, it's a little hard to stomach. But it is that thing which I've talked about before, which for somehow somehow it is handled so earnestly yeah. that you just hit that bump and you kind of embrace it a little bit and you and and get over it and and kind of love it for all its cheesiness you know yeah. despite it despite it all and that's that's kind of what goes wrong for Cameron Crowe later oh my god um, yes just the the earnestness that he doesn't he doesn't hit that balance i think it goes wrong a little later in his career than the, you than think I it do. goes wrong but just imagine Cameron Crowe directing licorice pizza that's where you can really identify my issues with him. If you just picture how that would have turned out. On the other hand, <laughs> I don't think licorice pizza would exist without almost agreed. Famous. But that's the nuance, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we will wander down 
see, I'm going to take a cheesy route here too. We're going to wander down another aisle of the video store in a future side, uh, sidewalk home video segment. It's going to take me a while to get used to saying that, but I'll, I will. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic and get ready for it because this is going to be, there's going to be a, th- a three-part saga here. Oh, man. Bill Murray and Lucy Liu. Uh, yeah, that's disappointing. I know. Well, she claims that he used inexcusable and unacceptable language. So I think in this case, I'm Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, of course, on the set of Charlie's Angels. Uh, and yeah, they they had a little bit of a of a riff. Apparently, Lucy Luce did stand up for herself. Yeah, that's which what took I've always heard. Back. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love Murray, but by all accounts, he's a bit of a prickly pear. Yeah, can be uh, loved and hated. Anyway, thanks to Batwell Studios, of course, and thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Totally, I had some Revelator Coffee this morning. Highly recommended. I need I need some Revelator Coffee right now. Sidewalkfest.com or at Sidewalk Film on social media is where you can find all of the details uh, regarding the 24th annual Sidewalk Film Festival, which draws nearer and nearer, folks. Yeah, as, you, as we get more weary and more weary, and you can hear it in our voices, that means we're getting closer and closer to the dates of the 2022 Sidewalk Film Festival. I've been watching so many movies, I barely know what day it is. It's yeah, Wednesday, right? How it goes. It is a Wednesday. Uh, not when you're listening to this, necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it could, could be. be. Could um, be. You could so, have the good fortune of yeah. hearing this on a Wednesday. <laughs> the good fortune. It's better, than a, <laughs> it's better than a Tuesday. And better, some might say, than a Monday. Garfield the Cat included. Um, anyway, we're not going to talk about Garfield the Cat. That's we're going to talk about getting podcast. your Sidewalk Film Festival passes right now because you're going to want to join us for this festival the lineup is shaping up to be a real beauty and um i don't know you know we're we're nearing i guess the time of year where we're going to start releasing some glimpses at that lineup in the next uh i don't know when you hear this maybe the next couple weeks so um pay attention to those places i just mentioned at sidewalk film on social media sidewalkfest.com for the sneaky peek at the lineup, because yeah. it's coming soon. Better wrap us up. I got to go okay. home. I got stuff. we got movies to watch. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>